0: Let your mighty calmness reign in me. Rule me, O King of gentleness, King of peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. That short but pithy little prayer was composed by St. John of the Cross, uh, a great contemplative, and his feast day is December 14th, which also happens to be the birthday of both my father and mother. So St. John of the Cross, pray for us. We're going to go back into... Contemplative prayer, because I think a lot of people are confused as to what it is and how to do it uh, So just to give an overview, we're going to back up a second here In the Bible, the Bible lists many different types of prayers So there's the prayer of faith And that you can be uh, listen to St. James speaking in the fifth chapter And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up We use this prayer for the anointing of the sick this, also known as a prayer of agreement or corporate prayer uh, the disciples all join together constantly in prayers. so that's corporate prayer we would say the mass is a corporate prayer it's the coming together of god's people so is the liturgy of the hours then there's prayers of supplication when we take our requests to god in philippians 4 6 we hear do not be anxious about every anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god then you must know there's a prayer of thanksgiving. We should be praying at the prayer of thanksgiving every single day. Every single day. Philippians 4, 6, thanksgiving or thanks to God with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. The psalmist David had many, many, many examples of thanksgiving throughout the psalms. Then there is the prayer of worship. This is similar to thanksgiving, but a little bit different. The difference is that worship focuses on who God is. Thanksgiving focuses on what God has done. So worship is actually directed right directly to the Father for his um, very being itself. Then there's the prayer of consecration. Jesus prayed, uh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Uh, It's setting ourselves apart to follow God's will. Uh, Intercession is when we pray for others. Jesus uh, did this constantly, and also we see in 1 Timothy 2, it says to pray for everyone. And the prayer of John 17 is uh, a prayer of Jesus on behalf of his disciples and of all believers, for that matter. And then... The prayer of imprecation. Imprecatory prayers are really found in the Psalms primarily, and these are prayers that were used to invoke God's judgment on the wicked and avenge the righteous. Now, this may seem harsh to many people, but God is the judge. And we see throughout history, he has passed judgment on generations at specific times and on people, uh, and that's his prerogative because he is the just judge. So when the Israelites are getting crushed, they would cry out to God, please avenge us. We're being beaten down and tormented. And They would pray these prayers. That's the biblical uh, examples of what different prayers there are. I'm going to talk now a little bit about uh, the Catholic Church, and the Catechism also talks about prayer. So St. John Damascene wrote, Prayer is the raising of one's mind and heart to God, or the requesting of good things from God. That's a very simple definition. St. John Damascene uh, quoted there. So we have adoration and worship, which we also saw in the Bible. Petition, asking God for things for our own needs. Intercession is for other people's needs. We have thanksgiving, which also biblical, praise, biblical, uh, and uh, It's funny because a lot of these Catholic um, sites about prayer don't mention contemplation. So before contemplation is meditation. Meditation is when you choose something to meditate on about the life of Christ, pretty much, if you're Catholic. That's where we would go. We're meditating on an event in the life of Christ. We're meditating about an event in the history of God's salvation, you could even meditate on something God the Father has done creation you could meditate on God creating the world, but it's something that points back to God. we choose, we meditate, we think on it. Contemplation is a bit different because contemplation cannot be achieved by the will of the human being. It is an act of God coming to the faithful believer and that is on god's time and god's uh, desire what we can do is we can dispose ourselves in a way that would make us available to receive contemplation from god okay so you kind of see the difference between meditation and contemplation that's why this this becomes tricky for a lot of people we live in a time when we want everything on demand so to acknowledge that you can't do this and only god can begin the um, contemplative prayer. Uh, it's a bit daunting for a lot of people, and yet I would say that this is one of the highest forms of prayer. This is the kind of prayer that will draw you into God's very presence in a palpable uh, way, where you will you will know that you are communing one with the God who made heaven and earth. Uh, now, there's many odd descriptions of or contemporary descriptions of contemplation that would not cut the mustard as Catholic teaching would go. So there's a lot of Zen-like practices or um, Eastern uh, meditation types that we would not want to engage in. Uh, they talk about like emptying yourself of all things and being one with the nonness, being one with nothing, Uh, or being one with the universe. We don't want to be one with the universe because that's created by God, that's a creature. And creatures can be uh, taken over by demons. So we do not want to become one with the universe. The devil loves to confuse people and think, oh, I'm sending you uh, some sort of uh, uh, an angel today to be with you, and it's really not an angel at all. You have to be very good about discerning uh, when things come into your life supernaturally. But this is not a risk with contemplation. You could be hearing from the enemy, but this isn't, it's not like it's going to harm you. He's just trying to distract you, to stop you from hearing from the one true God. Okay? Okay, so the tradition of the Catholic Church teaches that contemplation is a mysterious gaze of faith that is fixed on Christ. It's pure gift, not attainable through the work of our natural faculties except in as much as we can dispose ourselves and put ourselves in the presence of God, waiting for him to engage us in this contemplative prayer. So we have to focus the attention of our heart on God. It's the natural fruit of a life of Christian prayer. uh, the, The gifts and graces that come through contemplative prayer. And it really is at the heart of the Christian life. So when we look at the great, mystics and contemplatives first of all number one above all would be the blessed virgin mary she is the great contemplative of all time but then consider saint joseph he's a man of no words in the scriptures and i would imagine much of his life was in contemplating the events of his child jesus and all that was happening around him that would be a contemplative prayer and then we look to these saints throughout time, particularly the Carmelites. You know, there are certain orders that their very heart of their charism is contemplative prayer. Uh, these would be the the great heroes of the contemplative life. So, Teresa of Avila, Therese of Lesue, John of the Cross, uh, many of these. Saint Bernard, uh, there's so many of them. And Saint John, the evangelist. Another great uh, contemplative, and through his contemplation, he was given the heights, such heights of contemplation that he was, we call him the eagle. He soared and had the bird's eye view of God's perspective on mankind. And when he wrote that gospel, it's a very deep uh, and profound gospel when you compare it to the other gospels, which we call the synoptic gospels. Also, the book of Revelation, very lofty uh, things that he was being shown Many of which I would imagine he didn't understand at all. You know, when he's talking about these giant winged creatures that have heads like uh, lions and scorpion tails as stingers. I mean, who knows what he was seeing? That could have been, you know, some kind of a, a modern day um, Apache helicopter. That, but he wouldn't know what that is. He would he would only be able to describe it with the terms of the things that he has around him so when you read the book of revelation you can imagine if he's seeing modern day weaponry during these apocalyptic events he, he would not know how to describe that uh, just a thought there anyway back to contemplation uh, people who lead fairly quiet and reflective lives would be more prone towards the gift of contemplation because they're naturally going to slide in by their very uh, nature of their being people that are hyperactive and very, uh, and very active lives. It's harder because this is a different kind of uh, way of of being from what you're normally used to. So based on your, um, your internal being how you how your uh person operates um is going to determine how easy this will be for you or how difficult but here's the good news if if god wants to reach you contemplatively he will paul was a very active person saul was very active and yet he he slid right into contemplation once he had that first encounter with jesus on straight street so don't worry okay Uh, In the Catechism, uh, the Catholic Church outlines contemplative prayer by quoting St. Teresa of Avila. And she's one of the church's masters in the school of contemplation. And she says this, Nothing else than a close sharing between friends is what contemplation is. It means taking time frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. And contemplative prayer seeks him whom my soul loves it is jesus and in him the father we seek him because we uh, to because to desire him is always the beginning of love and we seek him in that pure faith which causes us to be born of him and to live in him that's uh, catechism paragraph 2709 for those who want to look it up and th- this definition gets at the heart of what prayer is in its essence. It's relationship with Jesus. I say this all the time. Relationship, relationship, relationship. Just like the relationship you have with your best friend or your spouse, uh, the more time you spend with that person, the more you get to know them. It's the same with the Trinity. The more time you spend with the Father, with Jesus, and the Spirit, the more you're going to get to know them. So in these... The three basic traditional Christian forms of prayer, you know, we have the vocal, we have the meditative, and then the contemplative, the relationship is the source of all. Uh, So contemplative prayer is the simplest expression of the mystery of prayer. That's also from the Catechism, paragraph 2713. And it's union with God in the depths of our souls, where he purifies our vision so that we can pierce reality. Isn't that an interesting thought? It's only when we get his vision that we can pierce reality. You know we're having a shortage of in 2022? Reality. People are living in imaginary realms that don't exist. You know, when we think we can call ourselves by a different gender and that makes it real, that's... That's not real. You're not living in reality. You know what truth is? Pure truth is that which conforms to reality. And right now, very little of the world is conforming to reality. It's conforming to imaginary. And that wreaks havoc on humanity. And what else would you expect? It's so odd that we live in a time uh, such a strange time that uh, people are being told that we have to acknowledge other people by a different gender than what they are, and and it's it's not enough that they want to call themselves by something different than they are; they want us to do it too. You know, we're living in a time where intelligent people are being silenced so that stupid people won't be offended. And I'm sorry if that offends somebody, but that's the reality. That's the reality of what we're living in. Isn't it strange? You know, enough is enough. Just say, no, I'm not doing it. You know, you, you, in this day and age, your kid cannot pretend to be an Indian because that would be offensive to somebody. You know, we used to play cowboys and Indians all the time growing up. But a grown man can pretend to be a woman, and that is acceptable. Think about that for a second. That's just crazy. Just so crazy. So when we consider uh, what is real and what is fake, uh, it's only through contemplation that we're going to be drawn deeper into the truth, capital T, truth, which is Jesus Christ himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when we go into contemplation, he reveals the mysteries of his kingdom and that's where we're going to get true uh, reality. If you want to say a reality, reality check, you're going to find that in pure contemplation. So in contemplation, we're gazing on Jesus. We're fixed on him. He's looking at us, and we're looking at him. The Curia of ours um, used to say that about when he would sit before the tabernacle, I look at him, he looks at me. I think he had a man also in his parish that was the first one to coin that term, but he loved it very much and he was often quoted saying it. So the focus on Jesus is also a renunciation of self. What's the other great weaponization in 2022? It's this obsession with self, this selfie generation. The selfie generation. Do you see now how this is not by coincidence that all this has happened and converged at this moment in time? This is a planned battle strategy coming from hell. That's leading primarily the youth into just a complete shipwreck of faith. What we need to be doing is teaching our children, the faith and teaching them how to pray deeply that they would be given truth. When we, Go into this contemplation, and we we empty our mind of our thoughts and problems that are around us, and we focus completely on God. And, and it shouldn't be on nothingness. Some people say, focus on nothing. No, focus on God. That's where your focus should be. And just look at, with your eyes closed, you're looking at maybe the Trinity sitting on their throne in heaven. And you're you're adoring the face of Jesus, maybe you're looking into his eyes and there will always be eyes that are full of love for you and let that just wash through you. And then you can begin speaking to him after a few minutes of silence uh, about, uh, again, first by giving him glory and honor and praise. And then after you've uh, done that, you can begin sharing your heart with him. And then you ask him to share his heart with you. And that's when you sit still and you wait. That's the mo- See, we can't force it. We wait for him to speak. We wait for him to share something that he'd like to reveal to you. And he always wants to reveal something of his kingdom to you. So it will happen. But you must be patient. And this has to be like a daily routine. A, a, this is called discipline. Also something lacking in 2022. A lot of people have lost the, the art of discipline because it means we have to show up on a regular basis and, and repeat. It's a re- repetition of daily uh, habits of getting into this prayer. But the rewards and, and the gifts and graces and blessings that will flow out of this prayer will be tremendous. So this is something everybody should try to uh, put themselves into um, a daily habit of doing. Uh, and what comes about from this well we're learning the interior knowledge of our lord when we sit in contemplation and from that we will grow to love him more and from that we will learn to follow him more do you see how this works do you see why there's a lot of people leaving god because they're not spending any time they've been deceived about him and they're not spending time with him so when we think about the, the three main types of prayer Um, They're all different ways of living out of the relationship with Jesus. So, for example, vocal prayer is the act of speaking with him out loud. Meditative prayer is thinking about him as a friend who you want to know better. And contemplative prayer is like sitting with him. You're literally sitting with him, delighting in his presence without the need for words. That should make it easier for some people. Some people worry, about I don't have the right words. Whatever is on your heart is the right words, but you don't need to be using words. A lot of contemplation is just being with him, just being with him. And then out of that gift of your time with Jesus, he showers us with what he wants us to know about himself. And that's why you should keep a journal to write down anything he's telling you. Uh, Fascinating the things you'll learn. You know, back to a little bit about how I learned this. Initially, when I was taught to do this, as I mentioned, I was very much rebellious and thought, this is never going to happen. God doesn't speak to people like me. But out of obedience, I will do it. And then within about a week or so, I was in a a postulant class of about seven or eight guys. One of them was Brother John Michael. One night at dinner with the whole community, Brother John Michael says, can I share a poem I got during my, uh, my contemplative prayer time? i got my attention very quickly i said oh get a load of brother john michael okay let's hear it so he reads the poem it was very beautiful profoundly beautiful obviously not written by him this was a gift from the holy spirit um and i don't say that as a jab i mean we know each other because we're living with each other day in and day out and i know him he's a good very good man but this prayer was obviously a little step up higher than where he was in his prayer life. So um, being a very humble and kind brother, my immediate reaction was, you've never given me a poem, Lord. And right in that moment, the Lord spoke to me and he said, you've never asked for one. Wow, so I'm sitting at dinner, this is all happening in my heart. And I said, okay, fair enough. So the next day, uh, when I went off to my holy hour, I said to the Lord, I would like a poem, please and of course nothing came that day but i asked for about a week straight and then one day i started writing and a poem flew out from my pen and it was called the rose and it was fascinating because i i can tell you i did not write this poem i have i don't have a gift with words the way this thing came out uh but the focus of the rose was not on the beauty of the blossom or the the beautiful fragrance that that uh, comes out of that that blossom it was all about the thorns and those thorns that were wrapped around the head of Jesus that the thorns were actually the one that were closest to the Lord not the petals not the fragrance and it was speaking metaphorically about the cross but also about my own life in that it's not the pretty beautiful moments where you're so close to Jesus It's often those painful moments with profound wisdom that came out of this prayer any this poem well from then on i started getting poems every day i got so many poems that they were published in a book with some of the other uh, hermit's poems but i had at least 30 or 40 of these that went into that book um and it got to the point where i would be sleeping and the lord would wake me up in the middle of the night and say i have a poem i would say i'm sleeping can't we have it in the morning he would said get your pen and so I get up and write out the poem, and I go back to bed, and sometimes I wake up and forget I even did that and look at the side of the bed and go, "Oh, got another poem last night." So this is how you start knowing that this isn't coming from you, and the fruit is when you'll start knowing it's not coming from the enemy. The enemy can deceive, but he the fruit will always point to who's where it's coming from and so if if these poems and these teachings and these meditations that are coming through your prayer time are uplifting and they're building up the kingdom of god and they're teaching about his ways then you can be pretty sure it's coming from heaven um one thing the lord does not do uh, in prayer time when you try to initiate contact with him is he will never um, uh, treat you in a way that is uh humiliating you know so if you go into prayer and somebody starts saying you know you're a loathsome creature or you're a wretched creature um although it may be true because we are wretched in the eyes of in the in the presence of god we are so wretched compared to his beauty and goodness um he does not <clears throat> call that out on us that would be the enemy so uh, you know, you want to cast that out right away um And then you you ask your guardian angel to block your your mind from any distractions or, or interruptions and go back to Jesus and say, now, this is a great, this will be my final thought of the day, a great opening line in your contemplation after you settle yourself down and you're focused on him. You know, when he said to his friends, who do you say that I am? Say that to Jesus. Who do you say that I am? And then see what he says back to you. And then you can do it with the Father, and then you can do it with the Holy Spirit. All three will have different responses, because they're, they're three different persons. And the way the Father sees you will be different from the way Jesus sees you and the Spirit sees you. Uh, it may not happen the first day you do it, but if you keep at it, because he wants to reveal who you are, too. Because we tend to not know who we are. When we realize who we are, with the great immensity of God's beauty built into us, not in a prideful way, but in a great humility, um, we will start living out of the true uh, son and daughtership that we are, and that will change the world. That's enough for today. Tomorrow I have on a very special guest, Daniel O'Connor, the theologian and professor, will be with me. We're going to break open this latest blog. He wrote, it is phenomenal. I can't stress enough. Tune in tomorrow. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great day. This is Father Dan signing out.